It's the Paddlewoo Podcast. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Paddlewoo Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson, and I've been missing you guys. It's been a while. It's been a uh, it's been a long road here these last eight months, but it looks like things are going to get back to normal here. And I'm very excited that we have an incredible lineup of guests scheduled for the next couple months. So there's going to be a couple changes to the show, uh, some good ones. You guys, Chase Kosterlitz, who's working with me down in Blue Zone uh, in Nosara, Costa Rica, at our paddle surfing retreat, uh, he is going to come on board and start hosting some podcasts in the racing and recreational side of paddling you guys probably know chase because he is a world-class racer just won the sea paddle in new york city this year and uh, i'm really excited to have him come on board and add some content to this this has always been a surfing platform i will continue to focus on surfing but with chase's skill set and his background it is going to be a great thing to have him uh cover the world of stand-up from a racing and lifestyle perspective. So I'm super excited about that. And today, Chase joins me on the show again to discuss what he's been up to, how he's liking living down in Costa Rica, his transition from pure race background to surfing every day. He's a good surfer. Uh, I don't think a lot of folks know that about Chase. He's a very good surfer, and he's getting better quickly living in Costa Rica where you can surf every day because the waves are good every day. Um and so it's it's been a, a very exciting time for for Blue Zone, and it's going to be exciting for Padawoo, and uh, I'm I'm pumped on all of this. So lots of lots of positivity coming. Uh, real quick before we dive into the show, uh, this episode is brought to you by my new pet project, which is Portal Surf Designs. Uh, getting lampooned back here uh, in the states, uh, in Florida, used to surf in six hours a day. There's a lot of extra energy that I have these days, and you know, if you've been following what I've been doing for the last few years, you know, I've been a massive nerd when it comes to boards, board design, and I decided just to dive fully into that. And so for the last six months, I have been studying design um, and boards and, you know, I've been testing for years, worked with a lot of shapers throughout my time. And my ideal of paddle surfing is it's this beautiful marriage between flow and glide of longboard mid-length surfing and then the explosive radicalness of shortboard surfing and I wanted to design a board that I thought would bring out the best in both of those worlds to to have possibly a board with without compromise in in both those areas and uh, it's been a fun project we've gone through tons of designs built lots of prototypes lots of trips to test and portalsurfdesigns.com is now live you can check out what we've been up to, what I've been up to. Um, and you're seeing basically the last two versions of the prototypes and the, and the Barra model uh, is now ready to go and actually just uh, had our first 10 orders of the Barra that, I, that, uh, that are happening right now. So it's awesome. Super excited. Um, if you guys are interested, check out portalsurfdesigns.com or uh, you can contact me from there from the progressionproject.com website. So, all right, let's uh, let's uh, dive into the show. If you guys are interested in coming down to work with Chase in Costa Rica and Oscar, uh, check out bluezonesup.com uh, for all of your travel paddle surfing needs. All right, guys, thanks so much. I appreciate your loyalty and, and just 
you know, all the well wishes and everything for us over the last few months and super excited to get back to it. So thank you. And uh, here is a conversation with Chase Kosterlitz. Chase, what's up, dude? Not much. We are here in Casa Corona. Yes, sir. Yeah. In Corona. This is cool, man. This is uh, the second week that we've gotten to spend together down here. We're finishing it up. Um, surfing. And you've been living here now for what? Like five, six, seven weeks? How long? Two months? Two, two months. Nice. Yeah. How is it? It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. My wife, Sarah, just left the house. Uh, daughter's at the beach right now. Pretty much, she's at the beach twice a day, Stella, <laughs> two-year-old, and then I'm at the beach twice a day, yeah. morning session and evening sessions, and it is not terrible. It so, is amazing. So did I oversell it? I try very hard to not, I think this place is like the most incredible place on the planet. I'm very saddened that I no longer live here, but um, uh, when we were hanging out in the Bahamas, did I oversell it or, or did I undersell it? Where do you put my level of like stoke and, and how you see it? You now? undersold it. I undersold but it. I could tell you were trying to undersell it <laughs> as you were selling it. It was, uh, it was like, you know, I don't want you, you know, you don't want to get someone's expectations too high. Right. Well, no one believes you if you say you can surf every day of the year. There's always waves. No, no one actually believes that. Yeah. And it's like, well, how good in. I was just telling you before we started recording, I didn't finish, but having lived in San Diego for three years and right. we moved there from Florida yeah. to surf, you know, Florida, we won't even talk, you know, Florida, right. it's tough for a surfer, but yep. San Diego, Southern California, like, all right, you know, this is where it's at yep. and it's, it's great and it has its merits, but you're in a wetsuit and it's not as consistent as it's been here. I have surfed every day. Minus a couple of days just trying to rest. You, you know, got sick. Being, yeah, I got, I got <laughs> some sort happens. of flu. And, and then my shoulder was acting up. But like, you surf six hours a day for 40 days in a row, you might get sick. <laughs> yeah, it could have been that. It could have been that. But yeah, it, is, it just gets so much swell here. And, and, but like rippable waves. Right. And, and mornings are pretty much never windy. Sometimes too windy but that it'll be offshores right like today right like today right like, now it's blowing at like 35 miles an hour offshore you can't surf yet chasing are like let's hop on a podcast and wait for the wind for another hour and a half and then we'll surf all afternoon yeah so yeah it's so good so um, you undersold it good <laughs> <laughs> i tried to man so i like the uh under promise over deliver i try yes. to live by that um Coaching, you're doing a great job. Feedback has been incredible. All the feedback we're getting through Blue Zone has been amazing. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, yeah, it's been great. I love coaching, you know, having coached, right. starting with basketball, then kiteboarding. And, and if anyone listening right now hasn't listened, Chase came on the show a few months back, and we talk in depth about his coaching background, and that was kind of in, in, in anticipation of him coming down to Costa Rica. So if you haven't listened to that, we're not going to go through it all again today, but uh, it would be worth a listen, so... Yeah, check that out. But yeah, yeah, like having this new uh avenue to coach through sup surfing and has been really a cool process. It has, you know, I'd like to say I've just kind of slipped right in and it feels very comfortable. It's been great learning from you on the technical surfing side and in breaking that down um even more so than I would have been able to before, but like just the subtle nuances of of uh 
being able to read a wave and what's going on with rail work and, and stuff like that. But what we were talking about uh, last couple of days and, and before the show is the uh, paddle technique stuff and, right. and how how much that has come into play with the guests we've had so far. Well, even with Damo, my son. Yeah. I mean, like, Damo was a tentative paddle. He loves paddle surfing. Um, and actually, since I've started shaping, he's, he loves it more now because like I made him this like little custom board. It's this little six one, which that works so good as a shortboard. Now I'm making shortboards, which maybe we'll talk about later in the show. Cause that whole yes. process, my arc and design has been really fun. It's kept me sane over the last few months, but, um, Chase worked at the beginning of December. And then again, this week with, with Damien, um, on stroke and he paddles completely different now. It's wild to watch him. The waves, his wave counts probably doubled. I don't think anyone really likes that about it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he's just frothing. Like, it's really cool to see how much, how comfortable he is now in a stroke. It's like, it's really good. Yeah. His technique's great. I mean, yeah. I, I was joking. We got to get him on a race board, nope. but then you're like, no, that means I'm, I got to get into racing yeah. <laughs> and less surfing. I liked, I liked what you said. You only have a certain amount of paddle strokes, right? I have a certain with amount of body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of agree with that. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's a huge part and not just like, you know, technique, I always say, whether it's for racing or surfing, it's going to help you paddle longer, right. stronger and prevent injury. So if we're talking about surfing, who doesn't want to surf longer with less injury yep. and, and catch more waves essentially without yep. being a wave hog, yep. but that's not the idea, but really in, in, but simple things like the J stroke, we talked about that a little bit, but it's a one of the most important strokes in, in racing, yep. um, downwind paddling, flat water, everything, yep. but surfing, it's huge. Yep. That was a big part of our group in early December. And it was really fun to watch those guys throughout the week start to embrace that. It's not an easy thing. I mean, you're not going to money it within six, seven days of surfing, but, um, it's so powerful. You know, what's crazy about it is in that, that our first, you know, the December week, Second to last day, I ruined my shoulder. Something popped. It hurt. I didn't even get to do anything. I had no training at all for me from uh, that trip to about a month later for the next trip. And I can barely paddle on my weak side on my left side right now. So the J-stroke has this whole new importance for this week of surfing because I, I, can't, I can't turn left. That's um, been fun to, uh, to be able to really understand that. Uh, and your tips um, made it... I understand it to a deeper level, right? Like kind of how you're talking about holding the blade and where you pull. I, I had it, but not, not to that level. Just, it's, that's been good for me. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting having worked with almost, I think, uh, eight guys and a few girls now down here yep. and how definitely dialing in what they're doing on the wave has been good. And there's been a lot of progress through there, yep. but I'd like probably just as much, if not more with what they're doing before they even catch the wave right in, in that, because everything in surfing is, is a progression on the next thing. So you talk about speed on the wave. Well, you can't set up for a top turn without a good bottom turn, right? right? Well, you can't set up a good bottom turn without good positioning on the wave and, right. and certainly catching the wave. Right. And you're not going to catch any waves if you have bad paddle technique. Correct. And, or it's going to be much harder to set yourself up in the sweet spot on the shoulder or dropping in right. 
before the waves even before you're doing any kind of surfing and that's all paddle stroke yeah right you gotta know where to be first so you could even say like getting a radical top turn you can't do that without i wouldn't say radical j stroke because make it sound cooler (laughs) (laughs) but without it you know it's it's not as cool right a good j stroke so let me ask you this do you have a mental routine do you have a a process for how you approach catching a wave i know i do but like what's yours yeah like as far as the setup and everything yeah like you see a wave coming like what are what are your kind of steps before you take off? Yeah, um, you know, so much of it becomes subconscious, right? Yep. So it's interesting just thinking about this right now and talking about it. But definitely, and then seeing it in the video has helped. But one of the things is keeping an eye on the wave. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually another thing we worked a lot with pretty much everyone is right. not turning and being so focused on like your feet and looking down and if you're looking at the wave, so having an angle, um, that's probably my first thing is obviously looking at the horizon, paddling, trying to put myself in position on the peak and then keeping that vision locked onto the wave so that I'm dropping in right where I want to be. Because again, that's going to set me up for that top turn, you know, bottom turn, top turn. So I think it starts with that. What's kind of, Walk walk me through what you're my what stuff. You're doing. Um, it's all about positioning and doing work early, right? Yeah. And so, depending on the wave that you're surfing, but I like to say we're surfing a beach break. Um, so a shifty beach break, you're going to have to move a little bit uh, horizontally along the beach, and obviously, you want to make sure that. And this is something I see paddle surfers do all the time, and I cringe every time. And and I love paddle surfers. I, I mean, it's my tribe, right? But we have got to collectively understand the rules of surfing to where you can't just go and paddle around somebody. We have this ability to be able to just roam. And if I'm sitting next to this guy who's got an outboard, like 75 horsepower outboard motor, like Chase can go. And, and he is now, the first time we surfed together down here, was like 50 meters to the left, 75 meters to the right. He, he's not as frothy now. He's been down here for a little bit longer. So he realizes maybe I shouldn't just paddle. I mean, if there's nobody there, if you're not going to paddle around somebody, I don't care how big your range is, but you shouldn't paddle like around somebody to catch a wave, especially if they can catch it. I'll always say, Hey, you want that one? And then if they don't respond or they don't move, well, that's fair game. I gave them fair shot. But, but if they say, yeah, then that's their wave. Cause they have, you know, actual surfing position. So you always got to remember that. But I'll assess the situation, see where the wave's coming. And then I'm already mentally trying to figure out how I want to ride the wave. So if it's, you know, a steeper beach break and you want to get barreled, that's going to affect where my positioning is. Or if it's a mellower wave, maybe I'll take off a little bit on the shoulder and I'll fade back into the pocket. But I'm already trying to decide like, okay, I see this wave coming. Here's how I think I want to approach it. Um, And then that tells me where I want to be in relationship to where the wave is peaking. And so once I've decided that, then my goal is to get there as fast as I can and leave as much time as possible before the wave starts to break, right? So you'll see me like sprint down the beach or, you know, maybe it's 15 meters to the left. So it'll be a a burst, a big sprint. And then I'll just kind of sit there and watch the wave develop. And hopefully I just need one or two strokes. Maybe it's a J stroke just to reposition my nose. You always want to... I see a lot of people making mistakes, especially this week, because this week we've had this offshore wind. And I see people um, like 
trying to take off down the line in an offshore wind. Well, you, you can't really do that because you're, the, the wind's going to catch the side of your board. And my son Damo's doing that nonstop. But I've told him like four or five times, like you, you have to point your nose toward the beach in an offshore wind. And that's how you should normally be set up is with your nose pointed towards the beach. And so your last stroke or two is usually just positioning your board. And then it usually only takes, if you're in the right spot, you can catch a wave with like one like moderate paddle. And so ideally, that's the way you want to take off. And that'll give you a lot of time to then get your footwork back to the tail. If you're doing it the right way, everything should look incredibly slow. What happens, though, is a lot of people get there late. They don't know what they're doing. And then, and then you see everything looks hurried and, and forced. Um, and that's because the setup work wasn't done. Yeah, yeah. It's all about that, the setup. And that's an interesting. Uh, it's probably the same thing that I'm doing. You know, yeah. I, I just haven't thought it through, um, like that consciously. Um, but, but yeah, getting to the spot to yep. allow myself to be collected, you know, yep. and not, I'm not, I don't need to be doing a, a, a late drop or, or, you know, basically putting myself in the right position. Right. And, and again, that's all about having the stroke technique to get your board up to speed, yep. to move it to where you want and, and controlling that direction that you're moving. It's, it's, I'm smiling because it's it's been very um, revelatory in how much working with that beginner to intermediate, which is is definitely what a lot of the people coming down are. We don't have guys. We're not working on errors, right? Like right. we're just trying. I mean, I mean we are. <laughs> no. I wish, but but you know, so so a lot of it is no. is that stroke technique. You know, it's like I. And, and we're definitely working on the bottom turns and, and getting speed down the line for sure. But right. all of that is is with the setup that if you are spending half the wave like coming from behind because you didn't set yourself up in the right position. Right. It's like half of the wave that, that is, you know, so to say, gone to waste as far as mm-hmm. progression and, and working towards that and and talking about you know, uh, in a two hour session, what, what you might be surfing for five minutes on a wave, maybe, yeah. you know, so like if those five minutes are five good minutes of good positioning, setting yourself up, then that's just that much more deliberate practice to progress on those, on your bottom turn, on your top turn, on the speed. So, yep. but that all goes to paddle technique in that yep. setup. Yep. Yep. And what I love about that is paddle technique and a lot of volume training. Um, when I say volume training, I mean paddling smaller boards. Smaller boards will let you surf uh, more critically. I mean, there's 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 no argument to that. And so you, there's an argument to when it isn't as fun to paddle, but there's no argument into that fact that smaller boards surf more critically. Um, and a lot of the drills for stroke technique and for balance work, you don't need surf to do. Uh, and so I've actually largely separated that out in the last year. And I've talked about this a little bit with, with some of the private guys that I've been working with is they drill flat water when there's no waves. And it's been remarkable. Some of the change, uh, that folks have come down, uh, in the last couple months with as far as, so if, if you guys have the opportunity, maybe there's no waves, but you've got a smaller board and you want to go work on stroke technique and, and balance. That's a great thing to do. You're never going to regret having spent more time paddling small boards, um, do you think that race training correlates? Where do you think race training fits in with, with some of that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if if you're fit, and, you know, it's gonna you're gonna be okay. fit and more in shape. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily correlate if you're not using the right 
stroke technique, right. you know, but if you are doing race training, focusing on, you know, good stroke, engaging your hips, hinging and, and, you know, all the elements of the stroke, certainly the J stroke, yep. then, then that'll translate, you know, it'll be a little different when you're on a smaller surf shape. Um, but essentially it's a lot of the same principles, really just right. a different vehicle that you're on. It's going to react differently. It's going to be easier to turn, yep. but like a, a small surfboard is harder to track straight. So that's like a big problem that we've been working on with a lot of the, the campers down here is at going for that setup in, in positioning. So as you're turning, yep. keeping your eye on the wave and the, the smaller boards, they don't track. So that's good because they're more maneuverable and you're able to turn. But as you go for that setup, if you're doing two strokes on one side and then the board goes left and then you do two strokes on, you know, back and forth because you can't track straight, then then you're just you're not moving forward fast enough to catch the wave. You're not positioning yourself. So, again, going back, if you have that stroke technique, you're just going to more easily go to the setup and you can absolutely practice that in flat water. Yep. Yeah. So what has, what's the, what's the biggest surprise for you having done this now for a couple months? What do you, from a coaching perspective? Coaching, yeah. Coaching perspective. We'll start there from a coaching yeah. perspective. What's the biggest surprise for you? Kind of what we've been talking about is yeah. how like people come down here to improve their surfing. And so we think surfing like on the wave, but so much of what they want to do, I want to do a better top turn, this and that has to do with before they're even on the wave. Yep. You know, certainly there's a lot to dial in. Right. But again, going back to that progression of setting yourself up in the right position for a an on-time drop, being collective, getting your foot positioning. So that that's been pretty um, you know, surprising is is to see how much of the the level of surfer that we're working with needs to dial in before. Those techniques. Yep. Yeah. And that's in a conversation about expectations that we normally have, which is the way that you need to learn, I think any skill is that you need to go back to the first basic principle that is fundamentally wrong and start there. Because if you have a bad foundation, then you're going to be building on a bad foundation. If your footwork's not right, and I watch, you know, so let's talk about like getting kind of like where your correct footwork should be for surfing, which is your front foot. And, and I love that people are putting out good content about surfing, but I, I recently watched a video where someone talked about um, footwork and where feet should be in surfing. And uh, there was front foot moving back and forth on the rail. And I, I was kind of cringing a little bit because from everything that I've studied, and maybe there's a case. Maybe if you get into a board that's 32 or 33 inches wide, maybe you need to do that to be able to turn the board. My first argument would be get off a board that's 32 or 33 inches wide if you really want to surf. Learn to paddle a board that's 29 inches wide, and then you never have to move your front foot because you should not have to move your front foot. Front foot should be set. Um, and like looking at skills like that, um, if, if you're coming down and wanting to or someone's coming down and, and they really want to learn how to do a big frontside cutback, and their footwork's wrong. Teaching a frontside cutback with bad footwork is only going to cement bad skill for bad bad technique for the frontside cutback. It's not going to work, especially backside, the way that the rail will knife in when you have your front foot on the uh, the heel side rail, which is how everybody does it. Then that the the, the rail buries 
comes in real tail heavy on the turn and then rail buries and you kind of fall on your face or the turn like stops and then you have to push yourself back up with your paddle. It's really ugly. And it doesn't correlate to once you get proper footwork. And so that, that whole premise of starting from the basics is, is paramount um, in coaching. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the footwork in the video because that has been another thing that I don't want to say is surprising. I kind of knew it would be it would be a great thing having done filming for um, stroke technique with race boards. Right. But being able to even see myself. Right. I and mean, certainly with the clients as well. But how. Which is so much better already. And I mean, like, <laughs> I feel ridiculous, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Long way to go. But it's just <sighs> it's 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 amazing. You know, pretty much any physical activity, seeing yourself and like we film pretty much all of our sessions and being able to go through after the session right. with the campers and say, uh, you know, here's what we've been talking about, but, and here's what you're doing and look, you know, right. and see, and I can stop the video, go to foot positioning. Look, your foot, your front foot is on the rail, you know, get it over. Yep. And that's going to help them visualize everything because they're seeing themselves rather than this abstract thing of like, we're talking here and describing it. Right. Yeah, sure. Like, you can sit here and tell me how to do an error, but it, it doesn't matter unless right. I'm attempting it and then seeing what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, and then correcting. So the video has been another uh, really cool part to to break down and see. Absolutely. V- video is the best feedback. It cements that there, it, on a couple fold, right? So 99% of people that I have worked with have no real anchor between what they are doing and and what what they think they're doing and what they're actually doing. There's a there's a huge disconnect there, um, and you have to spend some time breaking down how you surf to actually understand what you're doing. And so it's very common for folks to come in and say they're a certain level surfer when in reality, like they're not quite that level yet. Maybe um, that was a pretty. <laughs> <laughs> nice way when they're when it. they're not that level <laughs> um and it's just because you don't have the you don't you don't yet have that that connection um and that's two that's twofold one uh you 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 think you're better than you are at the beginning but two you have no basis to really self-correct and the goal should be to learn a skill set in in a proper week or or something that I'm always trying to instill in myself and anything that I do uh, and actually, we can talk about shaping a little bit in this because there was a huge learning curve for me at the beginning of design in I had no mental it's almost easier for me to talk about shaping because it's so fresh, but there was no I had no proper mental representation for what the idea and what it looked like in CAD, how that would translate into foam right there was no there was no like I'd shave a quarter inch here and it looks all right, but then how it's going to pop out. And it took me probably 10 iterations to really start to build that. And now that I understand that now I know when I make a change, what it's going to be, it's the same thing in your surfing. It's like, unless you have the ability to go, Oh, this is how it felt. This is what I need to do. You're, you're kind of just like guessing the whole time. Yeah. It's so abstract, right? You know, it's even surfing certainly, but when I'm, coaching guys flat water getting their technique dialed in it's like i can sit here and tell you how to use your hips and and even show you myself doing it exactly right but 
we just there's a disconnect when you're learning something right and doing something oh they think and you're doing it seeing it you right. know it's like even i'll watch someone and say okay like you're not using your hips start using your hips like start engaging them but it's abstract like we can't watch ourselves and and so having that video and you you said in the beginning video you can't hide from the video nope. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very humbling too you know and 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 uh it just yeah seeing myself but it's so incredibly valuable the turns always feel much better than they look yep. <laughs> but but that's how you improve you yep. know so yeah yeah photos are for glory videos for getting better yeah yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's so true. So yeah, being able to break that down yep. uh, with the guests and then the next time they go out, being able to apply that is huge. And I'll tell people one of the other things about being down here and, and learning anything is like we can correct it, but you're not going to immediately like embody it. And then just because I say get your back foot more on the inside rail, like you're not going to magically just do a great bottom turn and, and it's going to be all good, but it's right. starting that process. And then I'll encourage people. It's to in say like, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It should feel uncomfortable. Right. Cause it, you're used to something else, right. but do it, break that habit yep. and just do it. And you might bomb the wave, but we got to start, you know, creating that, that, um, bodily feedback to like be like okay this is what it feels yep. like it feels uncomfortable as heck but this is what i'm working towards yep absolutely the i say make it ridiculous make it comical yeah if, if it's not so big it, you're gonna think it feels so funny to do it and you're gonna see it on video and you're gonna be like i still didn't do it big enough and that is constant like watching people pump for the first time down the line they're like oh it's pumping it's like make it comical because i mean their, their legs are just going up and down just a tiny bit, you know? Yep. Um, you don't realize how exaggerated it really is um, when you actually get it right. And sometimes mistakes will show you the way. Like, it's like you're going in to do a turn and you fall and the rail sets for the first time and then all of a sudden you're using your rail and not your paddle. It's like eye-opening. You're like, whoa, what, what just happened there? It's like, oh, you just found your rail. Like, that's the difference between a paddle turn and a rail turn. Yep. Um, and that's a pretty beautiful moment when people find that. Yeah, and you can sit there and describe it to them all day, but it doesn't. You have to feel it. You have like to you feel just it. Said. Right. And well, that, yeah, that's the whole thing of going from like the external representation to the internal representation. You can watch Kelly Slater all day long, and you can model his stuff. But once you feel it, you replace what you're watching with Kelly with how it felt, and then that's a more powerful representation. Yeah, and that's when learning starts to like you hit that kind of that exponential curve there. Yeah, and it's an awesome feeling. Like one of the things when you watch my first video, so I sent Eric some video of our during our first week, and he he had mentioned um, my feet are very equally um, weighted weighted yep. through my turns. So extending my back foot was something, and yeah. then it's like, all right, well, how do I extend my back foot? And he's like, extend your back foot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like weight on it more. There's there's not like a even if you wanted to like write a dissertation on putting weight on your back foot, that's not going to like help me do it more necessarily. Now there might be some analogies to use, but so I went into the next session, like, all right, I'm just going to try to weight my back. foot. <laughs> it's so simple, but like, right. and extend it. And I felt very uncomfortable. It felt silly. I'm still working on it, but I will say like, I'm able to extend that back foot. 
Yeah. And, and, and it's not rocket science, but simply going in and being like, all right, when I come through this turn, finish with back foot pressure and extension. Right. And, and now extension what? at maximum load. Yeah. When you feel and, maximum load, that's when you blow it through. And yeah. Yeah. And, and there's no like, again, good coaching, you know, there, there can be some, some analogies to use that, you know, like that, that might help someone embody something. But ultimately, I think, like you said, making it comical, making, I, I always say over exaggerate yep. it, like over exaggerate and just keep that consciously in your mind and, and do it and yep. do it. And it's going to feel weird, but you got to do it and do it and do it and embody that. Yep. And then when it clicks, you know, you're, you're going to be yep. doing, <laughs> doing what it is. Right. And once, once you felt it, then you felt it. Right. And then, you know, and then you can go back there, but you have to just try variations until you feel it. Um, and a lot of people, man, I have a, one of my best friends um, for years. His surfing has stayed largely the same. And he's a decent surfer. He's like, he's a good surfer. But um, I feel like he could be so much better. Except he got into his comfort zone. And he didn't, didn't push it anymore. And then it just, that, that was kind of it. Um, so you have to always be experimenting. You have to always be falling. If you're not falling all the time, then you're not actually pushing any boundaries. You're not actually learning anything new. So falling is a good thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I always say if you're not falling, you're not getting better. It's, it's easier to not fall. It's more, it's more comfortable sure. to just go out, do what you know. And look, there's nothing wrong. You don't need to be going out every session. Like, all right, I got to do this, this, and this. And you actually, I actually, talking about that back leg stuff, so much of surfing it can be unconscious, like the more you do it, right? Maybe right. in the beginning you're thinking a lot, but once you get dialed in, you're comfortably catching waves, pumping, bottom turning, sure. then it's just the flow. And that's, I think, what we love about it. Right. So it was interesting when I went in, it was kind of the first time I went in to a surf session consciously thinking about what I want to do while I'm on the wave. Right. And, and it kind of took away from the experience a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, I'm, th I'm overthinking it and you can certainly do that. But I was okay with that because I knew, you know, I'm working towards yep. this thing that I want to figure out. So, all right, this is an interesting conversation and something that I'm, I have thought now, I mean, our year has been very tumultuous, but one of the things that a project that at some point I might undertake, cause I think it would be so incredible is to examine the relationship between deliberate practice and flow. And what I would say to your point there is that I believe that deliberate practice. So having a session like that, where you're consciously thinking about what you're going to do and, and, and get, deepens future flow states. And so that there's actually this relationship where it's kind of like, like saving money, right? It's more fun to spend your money right now, but you can do a lot better, cooler things in the future. If you can learn to save and compound and whatever, I think it's the same thing with like flow to where, I mean, if you think about whoever it is in their place, a brilliant musician or, you know, um, Jimi Hendrix, um, whoever, uh, Kelly Slater on that day, you have to think that Kelly Slater is probably much deeper in state when he is surfing cloud break than I am surfing a beach breakout back. But he got to that place through paying the price of practicing probably a, a, a lot of that time 
deliberately practicing and not in state. So I think that like there's a loop there between deliberate practice and flow. And my guess would be the folks who have found that loop. And this is what I want to explore if I, if I do decide to explore this is to talk to world-class performers and find out, and I don't even know how to phrase the questions yet. Cause I don't know if there's vernacular for it, but if they ever actually had the, the feeling of like, wait a second, the more that I practice, the more enjoyable this becomes, they're not going to probably think about it in the state of flow, but it's like, wait a second, the better I get, the better this is. I want to get better because this is better. And I actually think that probably a lot of world champions are not motivated by the success or the money or anything that they're motivated by the feeling that, that they get through whatever the vehicle is. I, think about that. What do you think about that? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that analogy with saving the money is a good one because right. yeah, in that moment, that particular session or that particular wave where I was kind of breaking my flow of how I would normally, normally surf a wave, like focusing a back foot, back foot, back foot. Right. All right. That might've been a no flow state. Right. right. But in the future, when I have embodied that movement, and now let's call it like a next level of surfing yep. that I'm in, in all of those things are compounding. So I got my pumping and I'm in the flow. I got my finishing move with that back foot extension as I blow the tail out and then I embody that and that becomes unconscious yep. and, and yeah, and it's, in, it's in the flow for sure. It was just, and, and I guess I've had that. Yeah. I mean, I, Basketball, I would get into like these amazing when, whenever playing in a game. Sure. You're just lost in the game. But when I'm practicing, I would deliberately go out, okay, ball handling drills, you know? So and do you think that the better that you can become at something, then the deeper you can go into it in, in the moment? Do you think that you can drop in to a deeper level the better that you are? The better, yeah. I mean, I think, but better could that be kind of subjective sure you know like you could have a guy maybe who's just surfing a high line every time but he's like the most zen in the like the craziest flow ever but he's just dialed in that one thing so much right i don't know like when you say but i think the more dialed in it gets the the harder it is to become deep in there like the way that i kind of look at the whole thing Yeah, it's like yeah. There's, there's these flow multipliers, right? So like you go drive a car. You drive a car at 20 miles an hour. I can be thinking about a thousand things and texting and whatever. Drive a car at 130 miles an hour, you're pretty much locked in. Yeah, Speed yeah. is a huge flow multiplier. Proximity yeah. Yeah. is a flow multiplier. Like big surf. Yeah. Pretty pretty huge flow yeah. multiplier. Like when I was out at sunset, my legs were shaking. Yeah. You know, like I was not thinking about anything else. Yeah. Um, I've had that feeling. It's yeah. weird. Uh, there, we, out talk, there. we talked about yeah. it. Not at Sunday at um uh in the Caribbean, Puerto Rico, uh yeah. Trace uh, Palmas. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, is that's the first time <laughs> your that legs I... start shaking. You're like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. I was like I was like, I wish I was prone right now. I'm probably gonna fall as I'm paddling <laughs> yes. into a wave. Um No, but it's a it's an interesting um thought uh with with the flow. Yeah. And and I don't know, I, I do kind of I kind of think that. And then also as a kind of type A personality, it's something I, I struggle with too, though, is like the the need to always do better or, or like progress. Or right. In, in like what you're talking about, being more in flow, like the better right. you are, or just 
like I use that Zen surfer that's taking the high line. Maybe that's someone who's not become complacent, but has said like, I'm okay where I'm at. Right. And I'm going to just fully embody this. I, I it, It's kind of a different thing, but it, it's along the same. I think that is what drives people like you and I is like sure. that, that progression, that competition with ourselves, maybe with others. Right. And, putting us deeper in the flow. So you know how some cultures have like, uh, like a plethora of words for love. Yeah. Because all love isn't the same. Right. 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 I think that we need that for these States because I don't think they're all the same. Right. Like we were in, um, universal studios and I did the Hulk with my kids and there's a, there's a type of quote unquote flow. I hate, I'm over the term flow, some sort of state that happens there. But it's not the same thing. It's kind of like I call like Disney kind of like idiot fun. Like <laughs> if you can just pay money and go yeah, yeah. and Simple. you're having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's I Shop mean in. they could put you. It's pretty safe. They put you in there. It's like you get out of your head for a second. It's pretty cool. Um, you know that compared to the state that like a Kyleni is in in Jaws, it's a different state. Yeah, one is a control. There's also chaos, but chaos control. I would argue that that Zen state of the High Line would also be a different a different place in there and probably requires, maybe we should name these terms. Oh yeah. Semantics. Like that's how we experience the world and it is in the description, right? right? Like a lot of times putting it into words and sure. That's a whole other really interesting thing that's fast. Or like uh, Eskimos have like uh, Eskimo culture, like hundred words for snow. Sure. Melty snow, yellow snow, right? (laughs) Avoid that, (laughs) whatever. But like, but yeah, in, in, or even learning a different language, like being here in, in Costa Rica, I'm trying to dial in my Spanish, but there are, I actually heard this on another uh, show, but he was talking about a descriptive, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Morbo. No. It's a way it's, um, anyways, it's a way to describe someone, um, that is attractive and, but not aesthetically. They're attractive in a uh, like a deep, dark personality way. Okay. And it's I think it's more sp- Spain. Um, okay. But it's it's based off a of morbid, sure. So like death. But like, anyways, the point was is that it was this. It's like a word. You, the, it's a concept you don't know. Right. It's a descriptive yeah. to be like, oh, el es morbo, and you wouldn't like normally if in English I might have to say, yeah, that guy or girl is a, is attractive, but you know, because she's got this dark personality. Whereas with that word, you know, you can convey it with one word. Sure. You know, and like you're saying, the high line guy, and we're trying to describe it here. Right. There's certainly uh, kind of a block in, right. in the descriptive. Yeah. On one side, yeah. you have like artist flow, like someone who's just deep in drawing. Yeah. Which, I mean, they say it's flow and they say Kyleni's in flow. They're very different states. Right. I mean, very, I mean, I, I agree that maybe, maybe they're post conscious, like you're in the unconscious realm, which is, I think where your goal is to always be, spend as much time as you possibly can, like letting the subconscious drive. Um, yeah, but, uh, and actually I had some in- interesting conversations with, uh, someone brilliant who's working on some like crazy kind of AI stuff. And that's the thing that makes humans so incredible is the subconscious, the intuitiveness, you know? And so it's like, as we move closer, one of the takeaways that I had from, from some of these conversations, as we move closer into this machine dominated world, which is happening this AI state, whatever, um, 
what's going to make us truly human are these things that machines are not going to be able to do for a very long time. And surfing talked about surfing is going to be like the <laughs> pinnacle of one of those things. Like yeah. we're a very long time from having a computer be able to do something yeah. like intuit what we can intuit there. So maybe that makes us, I mean, it's like the essence of human and like, that's where we, you know, yeah. want to be. This podcast just went totally oh, yeah. different direction, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love it. But now it's good. It, now it's a good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I love it. And you know, it's funny. I told you about the book. Uh, it's, uh, any of you yeah. guys want to read, I'm almost done is surfing with Sartre and the subtitle is like a philosophical look at a surfer's life of meaning. And it's this guy who was a um, surfer and a philosophy professor it just came sure. out. It's a great book. And, but he talks about, um, basically what you're saying, surfing being that ultimate pinnacle of like being a human and, 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 and a surfer is able to fully embody that by being adaptively attuned is the, is the description you talking about semantics. Sure. So adaptive attunement is essentially when you're on a wave, you have to adapt to what the wave is giving you and you have to be tuned in to reading that wave. And then that puts you in this, like we were talking about this flow state, this subconscious, I'm not going down the line like, okay, back foot, front foot, back foot, front foot, bottom turn, you know, like right. we're adaptively attuned. Oh, you know, I got to get speed. I got to make that section. You're adapting to the wave, you know, and we don't know what that wave's going to do. It's, it's, it's pretty unpredictable, but that's where you become attuned right. and the more you surf and this goes to back to coaching you know i can't teach someone in words to deeply understand how to read a wave as it's approaching you there's certainly things that we'll do and actually this last week we were, i was helping um gretchen from new york read which way the wave's gonna break right. you know and i can say all right look for the peak and then look for the shoulder what's the shoulder you know it's where it right. tapers off and going to that but then you can get into like literally millions of variables once you're on a wave sure the type of wave the steepness blah, 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 you know all this so anyways that's that adaptive attunement that right. surfers are able to to come into that uh this guy is you know arguing as this maybe the highest pinnacle of being what it means to be a human and, and navigate that sure. an ai a robot will will never be able to intuit that or or will they you know and then we can get into sure. the philosophy of that and, and consciousness and subconsciousness and all that but but yeah good book and, and definitely like a deep dive into the philosophy of it that's cool, man. Yeah. So this is just a normal surfing podcast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should get him on. You should get him on the show. That would be fun. Read the book and yeah, that would be get fun. Get him on. That would be good. Actually, let's use that. Let, let's 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 bridge into that. So one of the things that we're, I mean, Chase was a very recent podcast, um, and one of the reasons that we're doing it again is that we have decided to. Um, kind of changed the format of, and I should start with this and I, I this will be in the intro too, but we'll get into it a little bit deeper here. Um, change the format of the Paddleboot podcast and open it up a little bit because we both feel like there's not a whole lot of quality content happening in the world of stand up. There's some good, there's some guys doing a great job, right? But, um, you know, I think that there's, there's room right now for kind of a resurgence of the Paddleboot podcast. So I will be taking on what I've been doing, which is, surfing, um, breaking down, learning to some extent, uh, and 
technical. I'll, I'll actually be doing a dive into some design work with my new focus on design, shaping, creativity, construction. Um, there's going to be some construction stuff happening and got some cool guests lined up over the next month. But Chase is going to be coming on and hosting shows focused on racing and some lifestyle side of the sport. So that's going to be really cool. So you guys are going to be getting basically a double dose. And our goal is, you know, goals, I mean, but actually 2018 is going to be the year of keeping everything super tight. Um, dropping, I'll drop two and Chase will drop two a month. And we'll see if we can keep up with a weekly podcast. And uh, so, yeah, if you guys have suggestions on what you'd like us to do, anything that um, you think would be fun to put out, please let us know because we'll be looking for some folks. And if you're in the sport and you've got a good story to tell, reach out because that'll be fun. So yeah, I'm stoked that we're doing this, Chase. You excited? Yes. Yeah. Everything is pura vida is awesome down here. I didn't use that in the right context, did I? Yeah, you did use it in the right context, <laughs> but it's pura vida. Is that like a D there instead of an R? I, I got to get it. Yeah. I get my pronunciation, but, but yeah, I'm excited for that. And, and our family and myself are absolutely loving it down here. So it's, it's just been, it's been really, really great. And I look forward to, to doing this, uh, the podcast for sure. There's some guys having been in the quote unquote industry for like nearly nine years now. And I've always thought, I love podcasting. I love the format, but getting those deep dive, just conversations with yep. Some of the people that that I've grown to know and, and become friends with, but that are the, I want to say like the leading voices. You know, we got um, Chris Parker with SupRacer.com yep. that runs that. Huge who's following. been yeah, great great blog and and promoter uh, more on the racing side. But he's actually a, a really good short boarder and uh, grew up surfing. So hopefully we'll get him on the show and uh, got some interesting conversations for sure. Nice, man. Well, that'll be fun. It'll be fun to see how this unfolds over the next year, too, um, with all the new cool projects that we've got going on. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, buddy. Um, where, do you, where do you want to head from here? Where do you want to go? What time, how are we doing on time? We right are 45 minutes in. Let's do about another 15? Yeah. All right. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Man, I want to talk about, have you talked much about like the different breaks around here or like being here or we talk about sup surfing where the uh industry is going talk about that i want to talk a little bit about we'll probably edit this part out now um probably talk a little bit about like the boards and the impetus behind kind of doing the designs that i'm doing i think this is a good yeah yeah like uh format maybe to do that yeah um you can't really talk about riding them so i won't ask you about riding them i could talk about watching you Oh, uh, that's kind of weird. Maybe, maybe speed not. Speed. Or w- watching Oscar too. Yeah, Oscar surfing good on that thing. Yeah, I haven't seen him. Oh no, too much. Yeah. Um. Hmm. What else could we do? Do you have internet up in here? You don't have internet up in here, do you? I could say a surf. Will you? Uh, sh- oh. All right, man. Well. In that little two-minute break, I just checked the surf and the winds have gotten better. So let's let's wrap this up pretty quick. Um, anything you want to leave folks with, Chase? Like I'm super stoked on all of this, dude. Like, but uh, what do you want to leave folks with? Yeah, I mean, we're we're loving it down here, and yeah, we just want to share it with with you guys. Come down, and I've loved just continuing my 
ability or my passion to in teaching people in this new avenue in the surf and and improving myself so what are your goals your surf goals for the next two months when i come back <laughs> actually i'm hoping to be back down here in a couple of weeks but what are you what are you working on right now what am i going to see massive improvement blowing the tail out okay on more the cowbell. turns more cowbell definitely more cowbell yeah i mean really just that's it you know one of the things was approaching the wave differently and won't won't dive into this too much but you pointed out that I was kind of outrunning sections you know because I love to get a lot of speed and then just go for a big turn Florida, and baby. yeah <laughs> you, you said like surfing sloppy waves will do that to you but yep. but just allowing like surfing more in the pocket so just being more patient I sure. guess um and that's been something I'm working on so just continuing to do that and style yep. you know like uh but that's, yeah, that's just why I think we all love surfing is like every time you go out, you're getting a little better. You're trying new things, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, yep. deliberate, um, certainly. But yeah, that's it. What about you for 2018 from surfing? For surfing 2018. I got a lot of projects in 2018. Besides um, the shaping. Besides and, the shaping. Yeah, yeah, like surfing. Surfing. Um, simplifying taking out I believe that like as you get better at things really subtraction is key and so when I now watch myself surf I see a lot of superfluous movement that I don't like that I want to remove there's like extra like little like pumps on the bottom sometimes that I don't think that I need um so I want to I want to simplify it like I've I've come to understand like I'm not ever going to surf like a Mo Freitas or a Giorgio. There's just, there's going to be a lack of explosiveness that those guys have, but I can refine. I'm, I'm a pretty decent surfer. And if I refine where I'm at right now, I can be a very good version of my surfing. And I'd be very, I'd be comfortable with that along with just wanting to get barreled a lot. <laughs> just <laughs> get, get better barreled. barreled. But yeah, but otherwise, yeah. Like, and, and rail work, that would be the other thing. Like, this week I worked on a whole lot of rail work and that was some testing with, um, some of these boards that I've been, that I've been doing, but, um, I've been really happy with how the rail work has been going and, and largely utilizing the paddle just to enhance the surfing, right? So like the frontside cutback I'm working on now, literally the paddle is in the water for just a second to set the rail. And then you're just surfing through the turn. All you have to do is get like an extra two inches of that rail in the water and then you can surf right through the turn. And it's just like this beautiful feeling of almost like being on like a six, three shortboard once that paddle has come through and then you've, yeah, I don't know. So I'm <laughs> geeking out on that right now and I want to see how far you can take that. So that, those are the things I guess I'm working on. Cool. Yeah, man. It'll be a good year. Yeah, buddy. All right, let's go surf. You ready? Cool. Let's do it. All right. It's the Paddle Woo Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. This episode has been brought to you by Portal Surf Designs and Blue Zone Sup. And if you are still listening after all of that, then you are definitely a huge fan of the sport. And you should probably check out Portal because you'll love the boards. And come down and surf with us in Nosara, Costa Rica at the Blue Zone SUP. That's bluezonesup.com and portalsurfdesigns.com. Feedback has been great from both. And I think that you guys will love it. So... Check it out, support the show, support the sport, and uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in.